Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go to John 14. And we want to continue with this that we've been on on Sunday morning, skilled in the flow. I know we had a good service last Sunday morning with Ken and and Trudy. It was such a a blessing to have them with us. Uh, But skilled in the flow, we're talking about this from John where Jesus talked about the different flows of the Holy Spirit. And we've talked about seven different things that, the Holy, that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do. And also uh, taught on this at some length that there's a flow for every area of your life. There's a flow of the Holy Spirit for your, your marriage, your family, your ministry, your finances. There's a flow for every area of your life. And what I have to do then is become skilled in that flow. Skilled in the flow. The important part of anything, you know... Uh, there are jobs that they call non-skilled labor jobs. Right? I, I, I want to be careful. Don't anybody get mad at me. Flipping burgers, non-skilled labor job. You can train a monkey to do that. Right? Nothing wrong with the hard work involved with it. I'm just saying it's, you don't have to have a degree, right, non-skilled. But then there are jobs that require a skilled laborer to do them. If you're a skilled laborer, you will make more money. Why? Because you have what in front of that word? Skill. You are skilled in what you're doing. Right? If, if, you, if you drive over in uh, Lenexa, over around Lackman, down the hill, some there's a, a building over there. It's the Skilled Laborers Union. Skilled Laborers Union. They're skilled laborers. Now, this is important because every believer has within them the person of the Holy Spirit. It's up to me to be skilled in the flow. I have to be skilled, all right? And so, in John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, But the Comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I have said unto you. So notice, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is the Comforter. And that the Comforter, the Counselor, the Advocate, the one called alongside to help, notice, He's a divine teacher. He's a divine teacher teacher. He will teach you all things. I said something a couple of messages ago, and it was this, that to understand the person of the Holy Spirit, you have to have a grasp and an understanding of the triune Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, Scripture says very plainly that there are three that bear record in heaven. These three are one. And it, and it says, it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Or, or, or uh, 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 John says in another place, uh, uh, the blood, the Word, and, or the, the Father, the blood, and the Spirit. But the point is, is this, is that these three are one. Meaning that they're one in thought, they're one in action, and they're one in purpose. All right? They're, they're not one being. Three separate entities but yet one. And, 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 and Jesus described it this way. He said, if you'll remember when Paul was teaching about husbands loving your wife as Christ loves the church in the book of Ephesians, and he made this statement. He said, uh, uh, I'm speaking a mystery, but I'm speaking about Christ and the church. Not in so much the marriage union that the church is a female entity married to Christ, but that we're one. We're one. But yet we're separate entities. If you're in here and you're married, Scripture says you are one. 
but yet there's two of you. So how can you be one? And so great theological arguments are fought, and great wars in church have been fought, and you have people, they say, well, I'm oneness, and, and well, I'm Trinity, and I baptize this way, and I do this way, all based off of a couple of scriptures that mean nothing. When Jesus said, I and the Father are one, one in thought, one in purpose, one in activity. Jesus was on the earth working the works of the Father. So to understand the Holy Spirit correctly, I have to understand His role in the Godhead. That everything He says, He's speaking what He heard. He's speaking what He heard. Where did He hear it from? The Father. From Jesus. It says that He will come and He will tell you and speak what is heard, Jesus said He would glorify Him. Now, if you, if you go down the line of teaching that they're not three separate entities, then Jesus is glorifying Himself? Seems kind of prideful, doesn't it? Jesus said the Holy Spirit will not speak of Himself. Why? He's humble. But He'll speak of Him. Why is He speaking of Jesus? Because Jesus is not going to speak of Himself because He's just like He was on the earth and He makes no reputation of Himself. The Bible says there was nothing about Jesus that would cause you to look at Him and just fall out over, wow, boy, isn't it? Look at that guy. But when He opened His mouth, right? So the Holy Spirit is a divine teacher. He is the teaching arm, if we could say that, of the Godhead. John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another comforter. Now, is this smoke and mirrors? I mean, because Jesus says, I've got to go away so the comforter can come. Well, did He go away or not? Because if he went away, then he had somewhere to go. And he said, I'm going to go prepare you a place. But the Father is going to send you another one. The Greek is one just like me. Not me. One just like me. Is that right? And he he says, notice, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, Neither knows him, but you know him because he dwells in you and shall be with you. Or shall, dwells with you and shall be in you. The Woosh Bible says, as for myself, I will ask the Father and another counselor of the same kind as I am. He will give you in order that he might be with you. So notice, another counselor of the same kind. Another counselor of the same kind. John 14 and 18, notice, Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless or orphans. I will come to you. Well, that's not the rapture. That's not the second coming of Jesus. That's after I go to the Father, then I'm going to come to you. Is this right? Well, who's He coming in in the person of? The Holy Spirit. Another counselor of the same kind. As believers... We have access to a teacher of the same caliber as Jesus Christ living on the inside of us right now. Right now, I have that teaching gift that Jesus had on the inside of me. Because I have another comforter just like Him. Amen. That's why you should never say, I don't know. You may not know in the natural, but you do know in the spiritual. And according to Scripture, I've got to spend more time living on a spiritual level than a natural level. Is that right? You know, to be spiritual, you have to be spiritual. And so, I have that caliber of teacher on the inside of me. I've heard people say, what would it have been like to sit on the seashore and listen to Jesus teach? He's on the inside of you right now. You can sit in your living room every day 
and have the Holy Ghost, the same caliber as teacher as Jesus, teach you. Amen. Do, do you see this? And, and there are people that access more of that wisdom because they're more skilled in that flow. If the teacher is going to talk to you, you have to engage him on a regular basis. The Holy Spirit is humble and a perfect gentleman. He's not going to override what he perceives your desire to be. If he has something to say, but you're involved in Shark Week, or whatever, not saying that you shouldn't watch that, I like that myself, but if that's what's got my attention, he's not going to override the information I'm receiving to try to teach me something. I have to engage Him. Amen. So when something happens, something occurs in the earth, in the family, in the issues that you may deal with, the first person that you consult is the teacher. Teach me about this. Show me about this. Reveal this to me. What do I need to do? Amen. Because so much of the church is reactionary. I have the gift the person of the Holy Spirit in me, so I don't have to react. I can respond. The teacher can tell me what to do and get me out ahead of things before they ever occur. Because He's teaching me. Did He come? I say, did He come? Then that means He is teaching, He is leading, and He is guiding someone. It's up to me if that's me. Because did Jesus say He would come? What's that? Did Jesus say He would teach? And He would guide? And He would lead? So is He doing that? To someone, He is. Right? That's a good place for you to say, I'm that someone. I'm that someone. Say it out loud. Put your hand on your heart and say, Lord, I'm that someone. Hallelujah. Say this again. Say, Holy Spirit, teach me anytime you want. I'll listen. Oh, glory. Amen. Think about that. Think about that. So I don't need to sit around and think how wonderful it would have been to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. I have Jesus in me. Jesus is more personable to me than He ever was to the disciples. Yeah, but they ate with Him and and they talked with Him. He lives in me. He's part of me. Ephesians says I'm blood of His blood, bone of His bone, and body of His body. We are one. The whole time Jesus was on the earth, Him and the disciples were never one. I've never known a day of salvation that we weren't one. That's why Jesus, what did He say to Thomas? He said, Thomas, you're, you're, you're believing because you've seen. But he said, those that are more blessed are those that believe and have not seen. You've never seen the Holy Spirit. You've never physically seen Jesus. But yet there's a divine teacher on the inside of you that you have access to. And if you'll engage him on a daily basis, he'll tell you whatever you need to know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Of the same caliber as Jesus. Look at John 3. I want to show you some things. Am I helping you so far? John chapter 3. And verse 1. A familiar passage of Scripture, but Jesus is uh, here in the evening, and it says, There came a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. This was Nick at night. I know. You pay more and the jokes will get better. (laughs) Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. Now notice that. You are a teacher come from God. No man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Now this is important because notice how Nicodemus addresses Jesus. You're a teacher. The, The word teacher is instructor. It means doctor, master, or teacher. 
instructor, doctor, master, or teacher. Now, I read this to you so you can see. Jesus was known for teaching. Then, in uh, <clears throat> Matthew 4, thank you, Lord. You believing with me? Matthew 4 and verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, notice, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. So notice the pattern of Jesus' ministry. Teaching, preaching, and healing. Teaching is defined as instruction or explanation, to instruct or to explain. So Jesus went about, well, what was he going about teaching and instructing and explaining? The gospel of the kingdom. He had to explain it. Now, he taught teaching, but he also preached, preaching. The simplest way to understand this is teaching is exclamation, preaching is declaration. The, the word preaching in the Greek is the word caruso, K-E-R-S-U-O, caruso. And it means to, to speak forth, to herald, to proclaim, all right? But when you look up the word teach, it is to explain, it's to instruct. So Jesus did both of them, but look what came first. Teaching. Why? Because it's, it's difficult to preach to people that have not been instructed. And that's why you'll go to some churches and they get a lot of preaching. And don't, don't misunderstand me. We need it. We preach here. But I mean, that's what they... If, if, if there's not spit flying and paint peeling and flames flowing, right? The people feel like they were shortchanged. But very often in those kind of assemblies, you'll see a lack of maturity. Because it's all excitement, it's all emotion, it's all the feeling of the moment. When, when you are part of a body that does a lot of teaching, you, you mature. And it's less about feeling and more about maturity. But then when the preaching comes and the preaching time comes, we have it. You know we do. Amen. You're not just shouting. It's, it's something from the inside of you. Right? I have people come to our church all the time. Ministers of renown. Ken, Ken Blunt said it when he was here. And Trudy. He said it publicly and privately. He said about you all publicly. He said, I can tell you all know what to do with the Word. And he said privately, he said, these people are hungry for the Word. Well, you know, you have to be taught to be hungry for the Word. Or as Les Brown says, hungry. <laughs> Got to be hungry. Amen. Well, but what happens? What you get when you're hungry, what you get from the teaching is what's going to serve you in the challenge. Amen. Are you with me? There have been services before. People just shout, spent the whole time on their feet just shouting, yeah, shout, hallelujah. Boy, go home. Woo, boy, we had a good service. Had a barn burning tonight. Yeah, praise God, had a good service. What did the pastor preach on? Uh, I don't know, but we ran a lot. <laughs> and, and, and we run. Boy, we run here. We dance. We shout. Right? But here's my, here's my point. You never want to run at the expense of what the teacher's trying to say. Amen. Because the more, the more mature the teaching environment is, the more mature the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to move will be. So notice Jesus went teaching. These people have never heard what Jesus is saying. You know, sometimes I, I, not maybe not you, but maybe me in the past, I don't know that I thought along those lines. That when Jesus came preaching and teaching, 
First of all, what he was teaching was so radical and so revolutionary, it blew people's minds. What? The kingdom of heaven is in us? God wants to heal? God wants to, right? Oh, wait a minute. So these people that are teaching us to do all, they're, they're what? They're hypocrites? They're what? That's why they came and tried to catch him, right? Trick him up. And he started speaking to them and it left them dumbfounded. And they went back and they said, never a man spoke like this man. And this Pharisees got mad. Oh, you want to be his disciples now? <laughs> because of the, right? The way he taught. And I'm not just advocating a certain style. I'm saying that Jesus recognized if I'm going to get this across, I've got to teach you. Well, then what he did was when he left, he sent the same caliber of teacher to live in me. And so the teacher, the Holy Ghost, will say it to you as many ways as he has to so you can get it. Have you ever stopped to think the Holy Spirit can speak Spanish and Chinese? Right? Italian. German, thank God, redneck, <laughs> amen. He, he can speak any language. Why? He's the teacher. Now we think, well, yeah, of course, he's the Holy Spirit. Why does he speak every language? Why is that so important? He wants everybody to be taught. And he'll speak to you in what is comfortable for you. Hallelujah. I'm so glad he didn't come down to West Texas and start speaking to me in Elizabethan English. <laughs> the teacher, a good teacher, recognizes the learning ability of the student and deals with them on that level. And that student will begin to grow and can even catch up and advance and pass people that were ahead of them if they'll what? Listen to the teacher. Just listen to the teacher. Amen. I was, I was taking some college courses one time, and uh, uh, the professor, wonderful man, loved him, one good Christian man, but he made this statement. He said he was talking, you know, I was in my 40s when I was in the class, and so I'm, I'm there with kids that are like old enough to be my kids, right? And, and so I'm sitting around, a bunch of people my kid's age, and my wife too, thankfully. Not that she's old, but anyway. <laughs> Cut that out. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But anyway, look where y'all are not believing with me. <laughs> but he made a statement. He said, in the, in the class, he said, when I come to a point that's going to be on your test, I will tell you. I will tell you where to find it in the book. The answers are all in the book. I will give you your reading assignments, and in your reading assignments will be the answers. And then he made this statement. So I'll tell you how to pass. You got to do the work. You got to listen to the teacher. Right? In one of my classes, there was a kid that sat behind me. And, and uh, this kid, well, he was going there free because his dad was the president or one, one of the, the uppity-ups. And so he was going free. And uh, uh, he was forevermore failing. Not just failing, forevermore failing. Right? And, and he, he just, he wouldn't listen to the teacher. When the teacher was saying something, he'd be asleep. Or leaning over the desk, or doodling, right? Now see, maybe it's just because I'm mature, but I'm thinking, I'm paying for this? In other words, my money that I worked hard for is going into this, I want to learn. And I did learn. But my point is, what was the guy's problem behind me? Wouldn't listen to the teacher. So consequently, when you turn in a quiz, his would be half done. Right? 
There's no reason to ever, ever have any unanswered questions on your test when the teacher lives in you. The teacher lives on the inside of me. I have the answer to everything that I need. Oh, glory to God. Mark 6. Let's look at Mark 6. Am I helping you? Mark chapter 6 and uh, verse 6. And it says, you remember this is when Jesus could do not many mighty works in his own homeland, his own hometown. Notice verse 6. And he marveled because of their unbelief and went about the villages teaching. Teaching. Now, why is this so important? Jesus says that the answer to unbelief is teaching. Well, I don't know why that person doesn't believe. They've not been taught or they've been taught wrong. Correct teaching leads to correct believing. If someone doesn't believe it's always God's will to heal, they've just been taught wrong. Yeah, but I know so-and-so and they didn't get healed. That's not your teacher. People's experience is not my teacher. The world says experience is the best teacher. The Word says the Holy Spirit's the best teacher. There are things I will never experience, so therefore I will never learn from it. Right? Experience, like anything, only teaches you if you pay attention. Right? But if someone was taught God doesn't always heal, God doesn't always do this, the problem is a lack of teaching. Amen. Now, in John 16, the teacher has to be engaged because the Holy Spirit, because He's just like Jesus, will teach and explain things to us. Uh, uh, you'll remember on a number of different instances. Uh, Mark chapter 4, for example. Uh, Jesus starts out in Mark chapter 4 in the beginning of that chapter and is explaining to the multitudes the parable of the sower, right? And He gets to the end and then He goes to the house and the disciples go... Uh, what do you mean? Right? And Jesus said, you mean you don't understand that parable? They said, no. He said, how are you going to understand any of them then? Because this is the parable about how the kingdom operates. And then what did he do? He took it and broke it down even more. Why? Because I want you to get it. And Jesus said to you, it is given to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And because you have the right to understand those mysteries, I'm going to break it down and teach it to you on an even simpler level. Folks, listen. It is given unto you the right to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And God wants you to understand them so much, He put the teacher on the inside of you. Amen. I'm going to say this as I move on. You're never just totally dependent on a man or a woman to teach you. When you're sitting here today, you're not dependent on just the revelation I'm getting. This is what God showed me. And, and as you pull on it, it, I, it even more comes out. God can say things to you sitting in your chair that you write down that I never even said, but you heard it from the teacher on the inside of you, and he used what I'm saying to springboard into your life. Amen. Ignorance is not a fruit of the Spirit. Amen. And, and, and contrary to popular belief, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is dangerous. The less you know, the more unsafe you are. And in the day and age we live in, and as we get closer to the time of Jesus' return, it, your communion with the Holy Spirit is going to be even more important. Because right now you need to know what's true and what's not true. Amen. Maybe I should just move on from that. But you need to know what's true and not true. You can't afford just to turn on the news and just take it. You got to know what's true. What, what we've been praying, 
my wife and I have been praying, and many in the church, is, is for an unmasking of all this deception. Because there's a bunch of deception going on. Folks, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and I don't, I, don't, I don't talk about things like that, especially from the pulpit. But I'm telling you, you're being lied to. There's a lot of things that you're being lied to about. And you got to discern in your spirit, is that a lie or is that the truth? All the unrest in our cities. And, and you know, there are ministers that don't want to touch that because they don't want anybody to think that they're uh, uh, against uh, uh, Black Lives Matter and these different things. I'm not against Black Lives Matter. I'm against the hypocrisy. If that organization really believed that black lives mattered, they'd be picketing abortion clinics. Because the number one killer of black lives is the abortion industry. If they really believed black lives mattered, they would be fighting black on black crime. If they really believed black lives matter, they would fight against Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood was started by a racist woman for the purpose of limiting the black population in America. Amen. But you've got disenfranchised, hurting young men and women that are out there fighting for what they believe is, is rights and the, the force behind it is a Marxist organization that just wants to cause anarchy in the streets of any city they're in. They don't care about black lives. They just want their agenda pushed. Amen. Just, just, just like there are people, they, they don't care if you're well or not. They, they want you to wear a mask because it's, it's padding their pocket. They want to promote fear so they can get more into their pocket. And I'm not against any of that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you got to discern what is truth. And you have the teacher on the inside of you that will tell you. Oh, glory to God. So what do you do in the day and age we live in? Before you go anywhere, ask the teacher, do I need to go? Do I need to be there? Do I need to be a part of that? What do I need to do? My communion with the Holy Spirit is going to be so important. Oh, glory to God. Because the, the enemy will always prey on the hopeless, people that feel like nobody cares about them, people that feel like, right? And, and, and when they're inundated with all of this, I am just so amazed, and, and I better shut up, I'm just so amazed at some of the religious leaders that come out and have no spine and no backbone and won't stand for anything and won't tell the truth. We, we, it's, a, it's a trying time in America. It's a tedious time. It's, 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 it's a time that if you didn't know Jesus, you would be right to be scared. But when I know the truth, because the teacher lives inside of me, and he's leading me and guiding me and directing me, I can discern what's a lie and what's not. Amen. And, 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 and you, you, you just mark my words. You do whatever you want to with this. I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, but I'm telling you I have a sense about this. Come around November... End of November, a lot of this stuff's just going to go away. And you say, well, what? I, I'm, I'm not going to pinpoint anything. But I'm telling you, there's always a reason for what the enemy wants to do. And he's a master at distraction. And I'm going to tell you something. And again, everybody, you do what you want to with this. It is a known fact. That the African American people, the black people around the world, but in America, they're more sensitive to the things of the Spirit than white people. They are ripe for revival. And isn't it interesting that the group that the enemy's attacking the hardest is a group that's so sensitive to the things of the Spirit? The great moves of God and revivals that we talk about in America, folks, they came through black men. Azusa came through a black man. A large part of the catalyst in any revival that you, that you talk to, that you talk about, came a large part of it in America through the African American community. Amen. 
The Church of God in Christ, a historically black organization, came into the, the move of the Spirit with the same group that started the Assembly of God. They were all one. Church of God in Christ was the Assembly of God. And because the devil got in there and drove a wedge of racism in, they had to go and start their own church. Don't, don't, be, don't, don't be silly. This is not race. This is the enemy trying to stop a move of God. Amen. But he's not going to get it done. Because we've heard from the teacher. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, 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 and I, said this, I said this the other Sunday in Little Rock. You know, in, 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 in Little Rock, our congregation is bordering on, we're, 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 it's bordering on half African American. And there, there are people sitting in, in here today. Black families, black men, black women. You've, you've been coming to my church for a long time. I have a question for you. Don't you think I believe your life matters? I've been pastoring you all these years. I believe that you matter. I believe that you're valuable to God. I believe every white person matters to God. I make no distinction. Here's, here's the point. But the enemy wants everybody to drive a wedge and well, that man don't care about you and he don't really care and she don't really care. In the Bible, the Bible says the middle wall of partition has been broken down. Not only are Jew and Greek one, black and white are one, Asian and Hispanic are one, everybody is one because we're no longer many, we're one, we are Christ. That's what's going to change things. That's what's going to change things. Amen. And if the church just sits silent, those groups like Antifa and BLM, they'll run rampant with their Marxist re regime that just wants to destroy our nation and bring socialism in. I will not be silent. Amen. Because I have a teacher on the inside of me. Glory to God. <laughs> so John 16, 13. Did we ever get there? <laughs> How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak of Himself. Whatever He hears, that will He speak. So notice, the teacher will guide us into all truth. So, in other words, He will guide. It means to lead or to show the way. So, listening to the teacher is my number one defense against error and deception. Against error and deception. Because the Holy Spirit has intimate knowledge of any information I may need. Whatever I may need, he has the intimate knowledge of it. Now, in 1 John 2, 1 John 2. Oh, there's a lot here. First John 2 and, and 27. He says... But the anointing which you have received of Him abideth in you. Now the anointing there is the Holy Spirit. And I'll show you why. It explains it right here in this verse. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as it, we should say, He hath taught you, you shall abide in Him. So he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. And he says, notice... You have need, you need not that any man teach you. The Living Bible says, you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. So this doesn't mean I don't need anyone to teach me as a man or a woman. It means what is happening here is when you read First and Second, Third John, uh, a lot of the, the fight there is John is defending the gospel against this spirit of Gnosticism. That has come in. He's dealing with Gnostics. Not the gospel wasn't written to them. But he's dealing with the church about them. And they're coming and they're saying that Jesus did not come in the flesh. That he never became a man. 
That's why Paul, John deals with all throughout 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John that Jesus came in the flesh. That, that uh, he's the one that talks about how, how he was flesh and, and, and he was a man. And that we have a man in the Godhead. But here's the point. He comes and he says, so you don't need anybody to tell you that's not true. The teacher on the inside of you will tell you. And notice what he said. The anointing that you have within you abides in you. The same anointing teaches you all things and is truth. So, once I learn how to engage him, then I can be sure because of the verity of Scripture that what he says to me is absolute truth. Don't ever second guess the teacher. That's, that's why it's important that, that, that I'm, I'm familiar with Him. That's why when I heard T.L. Lowry teaching about the Holy Spirit, something that came to me when I was sitting on the front row listening to him, the first thing that came to me was He knows the Holy Spirit in a way that I don't know Him. Right? Because, listen, my wife can talk about me in a way that no one else can. Because she knows me. Right? It's all good, but <laughs> she knows me. <laughs> oh, the loud chuckling. <laughs> but, but, but nonetheless, it's the same. Right? Likes, dislikes, favorite things, non-favorite things, whatever, you name it. There's, there's a, a depth of knowledge that comes with knowing and being intimate with, and being on the same level. And so, when I know the Holy Spirit, and I know His voice, then what He tells me then is truth. And I know this. Amen. So, there were individuals here trying to deceive these believers, and John said, the Spirit of truth will guide you, and you won't be deceived. You won't be deceived. The greatest defense against deception is truth. If I have truth, I can't be deceived. And so we're not totally dependent on men to teach us. If something's incorrect, the counselor will speak up on the inside of you. And if I'm listening, it doesn't matter how long I've been doing it or how little of a time, if I'm listening, right? Amen. If you can teach a two-year-old to listen to your voice early on, you can save them trouble in the future. Right? Can a two-year-old listen? Yes. It has to be on their level, but they can listen. Right? It's much easier to get truth into a 20-year-old than a a two-year-old than a 20-year-old. Because truth builds on truth. Amen. But if I can teach them at three or two what truth is, then that becomes the foundation for their life. Oh, glory to God. The only way, and I've said this a couple times, that I will recognize the teacher is to engage him on a regular basis. I have to engage him on a regular basis. We're not talking about something dramatic or something spectacular. But the Holy Spirit will speak to you every day if you speak to Him. That's important. In uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, never silence the teacher. Now we're going to look at this somewhat in depth. I've got a little time. Because you're not docking me. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And uh, we want to look at verse 19. One statement. He says, quench not the Spirit. Paul, in, in talking about these moves of the Spirit, these different things, he says, quench not 
the Spirit. In different translations, that is rendered different things. The good news translation says restrain. Don't restrain the Spirit. The uh, God's Word translation says don't put out the Spirit's fire. The Amplified Bible says don't suppress or subdue. And then the Woost Bible says stop stifling and suppressing the Holy Spirit. The best illustration that I've ever heard or seen of this is the illustration of like a campfire and it's burning and someone comes and they dump a bucket of sand over it. Well, I mean, water does what? It extinguishes a fire. Sand smothers it. It gets no air, right? Well, we know all the way through the scripture that the Holy Spirit, uh, one, of, one, of, one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit is wind, uh, uh, air. Uh, when God breathed into Adam, it says he breathed in him the breath of life. All right, it's, it's the Hebrew word ruach. All right, it's, it's, it's life-giving. It's, it's, it's in the New Testament, there's only one word for spirit, and that's the word pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. Uh, you know, it's where we get our pneumatic, pneumonia, anything to do with breathing functions, right? So the Holy Spirit, there's this aspect of Him that He, he moves like a wind. He, he comes in and breathes life into things. And Scripture says this. It says that if, if it, it is possible to smother Him, to stifle him, all right? Well, how do I do that? Uh, well, the illustration there again is by pouring the sand on the fire, I smother it, I stifle it, I put out the Holy Spirit, I, I suppress him. And so if I restrain or suppress the Holy Spirit, I can't discern error. I don't know what's true. Because he's muffled. Now, how do I do this? Well, there's different ways. Number one, ignorance. I can do it through ignorance. I just don't know. All right? Uh, if you'll remember, you read Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 11. Uh, Paul was talking about the righteousness of God that is in Christ. And it says that the Jews have not believed, but they go about setting about to, to, to perform their own righteousness. What? Being ignorant of the righteousness which is of God, or righteousness which is of faith. And so my point is, is they could be ignorant of God's righteousness and so therefore not operate in it. If you're ignorant of the way the Holy Spirit moves or ignorant of the fact that He wants to speak to you, you can always stifle Him. Amen. That's not what I want to do. So in these lessons, in these messages, we're informing you. Amen? Number two, pride. Pride will stifle the Holy Spirit. Why? Because He's such a perfect gentleman. He's so humble. The Holy Spirit and pride are exact opposites. All right? The Holy Spirit cannot work in an atmosphere of pride because He requires submission. Pride won't submit. So the best way to make sure that the Holy Spirit is consistently talking and moving and training and teaching in my life is to maintain an attitude of humility and to maintain an attitude of submission to the things of God. And, and understanding that there is someone who is in control and it's not me. Control of my life, control of what I'm doing. And, and so I need to listen. Uh, years ago when I read the scripture in Ephesians 2, when it says that, especially in the Amplified Bible, that God had laid out and planned the paths for my life before the foundation of the world. I, I, my lightning quick mind figured this out. That if he had it all planned and laid out from the foundation of the world, he knows where I need to go. I need to be listening. Come on, especially before GPS. Every man in here, if you've been married any number of times, you know what it's like to have that voice of your wife in the seat beside you saying you missed your turn. And you go, no, we're all right. And, and, and you go another 10 miles and there's no off-ramp. Amen. 
And then you look over in the, in the passenger seat and you see. <laughs> and you go, go from me, holy one. <laughs> because what you did, you didn't, right? I overrode the voice. And, and ladies, you can't, listen, don't get too mad at them. We're just hardwired certain ways. It's like if, if, if you're leaving today and you ask your wife, you say, let's go to El Porton for, for, uh, or uh, Patron down here for, 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 for dinner. Okay, he's got El Patron locked in. You can't, you can't get him up there off 83rd Street and say, no, let's go to Olive Garden. You're going to El Patron. You're going. <laughs> can't do that to a man. Oh, something will break. <laughs> Just go eat a burrito. It'll be okay. <laughs> Remember, if you want to go somewhere after church, tell him where you want to go and stick with it. Wow. But pride. Pride will, will stop the Holy Spirit from moving. Number three, rebellion. Slash refusal, rebellion or refusal. They, they can seem the, the, the same and they are somewhat, but rebellion is more against push, more of pushing back towards what he's saying. Refusal is just, I'm not going to do it. Hallelujah. Number four is unbelief. Uh, unbelief will stop. The voice of the Spirit. It, it, it will stifle it every time. And then the final one in uh, Ephesians 4, and we'll read this real quickly. And uh, 20, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearers, and notice, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. So he tells me that corrupt communication will grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, what is corrupt communication? Uh, bitterness, gossip, ugly words, arguing, that grieves the Holy Spirit. And, and to grieve the Holy Spirit is to shut Him down. To make, to, to make Him want to go away. Amen. Now, the reason I'm saying all this, remember, the divine teacher of the same caliber of Jesus is on the inside of you. And so I want Him operating. There was a uh, show one time, and I'll say this in, in closing, uh, this cooking show, and uh, it had a panel of expert chefs that owned restaurants, world-renowned, national and international, and there was a lady on there, and if you went around in that show, you got 10 minutes for that chef to do whatever you ask them to do. I mean, they could cook your food, they could, I, I think they could do everything, but you know, put the ingredients together or whatever it may be. But anyway, ask them questions. What can I do to this? What can I add? What would be good? And so this lady went around and they said, all right, you get to have such and such world-renowned chef uh, for 10 minutes in your workspace. So the chef shows up. She's like, hey, what do you want me to do? I'm, I'm ready to go. And the lady's like, um, chop the fruit. Huh? I have a world-renowned chef, and she's chopping bananas? I could have asked her anything, right? That's the caliber of teacher you have inside of you. And James said, if you'll remember in James chapter 1, he said, whatever you lack, James specifically was talking about wisdom, but he said, if you lack and you fill in the blank, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it will be given to him. So he said? 
So that means that no request that you make of the Holy Spirit will he think is, is irrelevant or too small or not of any matter. That, that's not how he responds. He's the teacher. And ever how minute or simple or unimportant other people may think what you're asking is, he thinks it's very important because you're asking. And he'll teach you. Hallelujah. He'll teach you and help you. Amen. He is my defense against deception. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you today. We're so grateful, Lord, for all that you've said to us, for all that you're speaking to us, for all that you're doing in our midst. Lord, we're so grateful. You're so good to us. You have manifest yourself in so many different ways. And Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In the name of Jesus. We thank you. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The scripture says that in the time of the prophet Samuel when he was a young boy, that in that day there was no vision, open vision. In other words, the Lord says, no one was seeing what I see. You have moved into a season in this nation, and yes, the Lord says, even the world, where many are blinded, many are not seeing, but there are those that are seeing what I'm seeing. And if you are correctly viewing and correctly seeing what I'm seeing, then what you see is this more is coming. And if you remember, the Lord says, this item that many saw in their youth, it was a wave maker. And it was a rectangular item, container that sat on a fulcrum, had liquid and sand, colored water on the inside of it. And it would make a wave. When it went to one end, all of the material would go to one end. That's where you're at. What I'm going to do and pour out on you is full. It's getting to the point that no more can be put in it. And you are entering into a season where that's going to break open. More is coming. More is coming. More abundance, more healings, more victory, more defeat for the enemy. Hallelujah. More is coming. Don't be sidetracked. Don't be distracted. Keep your focus on what is coming. Because what is coming, I said in my word, that even when the enemy would come in like a flood the Spirit of the Lord would raise up a standard against him. So it can feel as if the enemy has unleashed everything in his arsenal, and yes, he has to a certain extent, but yet you stand, and yet you thrive, and yet you succeed, and yet things are better than they've ever been. And yet more finances are flowing into your life. And yet you're healed. And yet your family's healed. And yet your bodies are strong. And yet your ministries are thriving. Why? The standard's in place. It cannot break upon you. But what I have is about to break over you. And it will absolutely drench you in my goodness. And at the same time, decimate the plans of the enemy. Oh, glory. 
Oh, glory to God. Glory be to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And you'll be more in demand. And you'll be more in demand. And the more people see what you do, the more they'll want what you do. Mm. And your scripture is whatever you put your hands to do will be blessed. Whatever you put your hands to do will be blessed. And when they send and say, we want you to do a big job, don't be intimidated by it. You have the divine teacher on the inside of you. I'll show you what to do and how to do it. And you'll do it the easiest, most economic way. And there'll be things that you'll produce that'll cost you just a few dollars and reap you thousands. Hallelujah. I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't know who this is. I'm not even going to. I'm seeing something in the spirit. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, raise your hand or whatever. But the enemy's playing a game again. And he's trying to bring that same condemnation shame card in. Mm, from something that was done some number of years ago. And you came in contact with some religious people that really beat you up over it. So much so that you came close to walking away from God. Well, the Lord says, I never held that against you. I don't count it to your credit now. I don't know anything about it. I only remember it and I only know about it when you bring it up. Because I've forgotten it. Now walk free from that in the name of Jesus. Walk free from that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Because it is in bad taste to keep bringing up something that I have forgiven. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, every spirit of grief, every spirit of sadness, we cause you to lift in Jesus' name. You shall not permeate these lives anymore. Oh, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you. You're so good to us. In the name of Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The enemy is trying to tell you you're never going to come out, but look around, you're out. You are out. You are free. You are not bound by any power of the enemy. Oh, glory be to God. And the things you've seen in a measure, you're going to see in their fullness. And the things you've seen in glimpses and flashes, you're going to see the whole panoramic view. The things that you've seen and you've felt and you've experienced, little by little and little by little and little by little, they're going to come in great, enormous, gigabyte amounts. You mark it. The next three days, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you mark it down, the Lord says. You mark it down, the Lord says. There will be many sitting in here that in the days coming, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, in the days coming, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this coming week. Yes, Lord, I'll do that. In the days coming, the 17th, the 18th, and the 19th of August 2020, the 17th, the 18th, the 19th of August, 
2020. There are those sitting in under the sound of my voice, the Lord says, that there will be answers that come to you concerning things that you have needed victory in or answers to for weeks, for months, and in some cases years, and it's going to show up. And it may show up to you at night in a dream. It may show up to you in your prayer time. It may show up to you while you're walking, running, exercising, driving. However you are, if you are consistently hooked up in the next three days, 17th, 18th, and 19th of August 2020, I'm going to tell you things and reveal things to you, and there's going to be answers that are absolutely going to set you on the path of victory forever and ever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I receive that. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. So we receive in Jesus' name. Glory be to God. And there will be a moving forward. There will be a moving forward. Not a shifting forward, a moving forward. And there will be great bounds take place and great leaps because you've prepared yourself for it. And this ministry shall take leaps forward. And the television ministry shall expand. And the outreach shall expand. And this building and these lands shall expand. And the leadership shall expand. And leaders will come that have the heart of God. And leaders will come that have the desire of the things of God. And leaders will come that are faithful and true to what God wants to do in the future of this vision. And I will add them to those that are already here. And you'll see great and mighty things. And the children's departments will overflow. And the youth department will overflow. And the elders will overflow. And the students will overflow. Get ready, get ready, get ready, the Lord says. Because they're coming from the east, the west, the north, and the south. The prisoners are being demanded that they be given up. The chains are breaking. The doors are opening. They're coming! Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we receive. Lord, we receive. In the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And what about 2021? What about 2021? Oh, the vision of many in 2020 has been darkened. And many have not even been able to see into the realm of next year. But just know this, says the Lord. It's going to start off being a year of light that will dispel darkness. And many will come to the light, and many will come to the truth, and many will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Oh, 2021 is setting up to be a magnificent year. A magnificent year. And many are stuck. Well, we got to get through this year, Lord. Yeah, and it's going to be more of what you've experienced already. More blessing, more victory, more prosperity. And 2021, whew, 2021, a year of light and magnificent victory. Oh, glory to God. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I receive that. Thank you, Lord.